The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today, I'm joined by real estate broker, John Graft. John, thanks for being here, brother. Hey, how you doing? Very well. Originally from the Chicagoland area, west suburbs, Barrington. Yeah, yeah. I grew up out there, uh, went to DePaul out here, and that's what I've been doing ever since, living in the city since I was 17. Wow, Chicago guy. Love mm -hmm. it. How'd you get into real estate? Uh, magic mushrooms. <laughs> that's, that's the short answer. So I was looking for apartments. I was with my friends. They couldn't come with me, right? So two other guys, I'm heading out this search, looking for places. I work with five of these apartment companies, or six, and I have the strangest experience over this 24-hour period. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. I go out both times. I park my car at their offices, and I'm sitting, sitting like in the lobby, I guess, right? Like in the mm -hmm. waiting area. I'm telling them all the information again. So I already told him, I already filled all this stuff out online, already talked to someone over the phone. And this happens at every single office. Go sit in a waiting room. They match me up with someone. We go to a desk. I'm like, okay, so what are you looking for? I'm like, I already did all this. Such a waste of time. <laughs> so then we go out. We look at places. I get hard sold. People are really trying to push places on me. I'm like, no, I haven't seen anything. Then I go out with another agent. He shows me the same exact things. And I don't know how to tell him, like, I've seen all this. Like, I can tell as we're pulling up or about to park. I'm like, oh, yeah, I went and saw that place. Okay. So everyone's pretty much showing the same inventory. Then they're trying to push me in the neighborhoods I don't want to be in. Then they're pushing me up on my budget. I'm like, no, I can't afford this. Can't do higher than this. Sorry, that's all I can do. One guy gets locked out of his car. So I'm just stranded here on the side of the road. I'm, I, I just grab a taxi and got, go, right? I'm like, okay, wow. bye. And then finally, one guy couldn't rent me an apartment. He's like, so uh, you, uh, you ever take any magic mushrooms? And uh, <laughs> you want any? I'm like, what? So... Couldn't sell me an apartment, tries to sell me drugs. This is my 24-hour Chicago real estate experience. And I'm breaking down the business in my head. I'm like, okay, so you guys make a month for rent or half months at the least. You picked me up for a few hours or I came to your office and we looked at places and that was it. You guys make a commission if I find the right place. Right. And it was also strange that none of them won the work of students. So I'm a student at DePaul at the time. I'm with roommates. Everyone I know has relatively good backgrounds. They come from good families. Their parents can co-sign for everything. And especially the more affluent the student, the nicer place they're going to get. Right. I mean, I saw students get nicer apartments then than I have than friends of mine have now, right? Yeah. But no one wants to work with students. So it made no sense to me. So I started working on this business plan and created a company called Renters Refuge that helps students find apartments. That's it, awesome. Yeah, and it took off. In our first 25 days, I made 25 grand. as a student? This is as a student, yeah. So I was a senior then, and it, it took off immediately. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, and it was fun. You know, I'm working with other kids, I'm working with other students, I can relate to them on that level. The hardest part of that was leaving that behind because then you get pigeonholed into this rental agent scenario that's who you are right that's, right, how, right that's who you're seen as right so that was if you're going to get into real estate i would not recommend that path looking back at it and i see how some other people have navigated this career and how they've done it and i think there's 
wiser and more prudent decisions on how you can start a career in real estate. For sure. But for me, I started a company, got, got it completely off the ground, did it all myself. Back then, you didn't have to be in the industry to own a brokerage. You could literally just get a license and own a brokerage. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I was very, uh, very ambitious, but very foolhardy and not really looking at everything that lied in front of me in terms of how to conquer it and how to go after it. I'm not going to lie. It's an amazing story. Um, what were you studying? What were you on the path to becoming before you I was supposed to be a lawyer. Oh, no way. Yeah, I was supposed to be a lawyer, and then real estate worked, and I never looked back. That's awesome. Yeah. Where, where did you, I guess, obviously you, you saw something that was lacking, something that was wrong, mm -hmm. right? Because just from hearing that, it sounds it sounds terrible, right, yeah. as an experience. And, and, and you do, you're do you right. I mean, any kind of student, they just, just kind of disregard it, right? Yeah. What did Where did you find success in, in changing that, or how did you approach that? How did you, you know, I mean, 20, 25,000 in 25 days, you said? Yeah. Yeah, that's... You did something right. Yeah. Uh, the industry minimum is a GED. So to be a realtor, all right. you need is a GED. And anyone can get a license. There's a problem in that. And so there is maybe at best 5% of agents are good. And I'd say 1% of agents are great. And working with a great agent is fantastic. I love being on the other side of agents. I respect people I look up to in this industry, people that have paved the way for others. But working with a bad agent is one of the worst experiences you can ever have. And you want to pull your hair out sometimes because you know someone is advising their client poorly. You know they're telling them wrong or inaccurate things. And sometimes, especially if I, let's, let's say a high rise, I'm selling a unit in the high rise. I know it back to front because that's my job because I'm selling a unit there. I have a spiel at every single property. I show up, I do the spiel, and then the agent will interrupt you and correct you. <laughs> and you know they're wrong. And now you have to make this decision of, do I correct them or do I just let this slide? And then at the very end, just make that correction right before they're about to go. And it depends on how I'm feeling that day. That, that's really what it boils down to. Do I want to embarrass this person in front of their client? No. But if someone does something a couple of times, you're, you're kind of inclined to do something in that manner. I'm working on that. It's, you know, life's, life's a lesson. <laughs> uh, I mean... It sounds like you're very aware of the things that are going on, and I think that a lot of people react without, you know, considering what, what that is. They'll just, you know, they let emotions get the best of them. But it sounds like you're really trying to be calculated in all those things. You're being very aware of what you, how you represent your client, you know, even to the other uh, client that what that looks like and making them feel bad about their agent. Where are you? I guess who's coaching you? Where 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 do you look for this? Yeah, the, these tips and tricks that obviously you're you're being very considerate about that? I get guidance from a number of different places. Uh, I talk to a lot of different people in a lot of different industries. One of the beauties of this business is you learn so many, you meet so many people in different areas and you learn what they do and you learn how they approach things. And hearing someone who's good, I don't care what it is, they could be a swimmer, they could be a lawyer, they could be a marketer, but someone who's at the top of their game has a different philosophy, has a different vantage point than most others. So if you can see someone operate in that space, get a feel for how they approach things, and just seeing how people handle conflict resolution. I think early on in my career, it's something I was not good at, and I don't even know if I'm good at it now, but I'm just trying to get better at it because there's conflict every day in what I do. And sometimes you need to shove something down someone's throat, and other times you need to finesse all the way through, look at the nuance, talk to them, treat them a different way, you really need to stop and slow down. Uh, there was an Uber driver, or like a Uber Eats driver, delivering something yesterday. And we were crossing the street and this guy flew in front of us and parked. And like my wife got startled. She was heated, very heated. And I knocked on the guy's window. I was like, hey, this is our community. We live here. 
and you're not saving any time by pulling up here and doing this. Would you mind, you know, slowing down? You don't need to be this fast. And he's going back and forth with me arguing. And I'm like, listen, you're saving three seconds at best. We live here. I know you didn't hit us. I know you saw us. You don't need to do this. I walked away and that was it. My wife was like, wow, you handled it well. But the whole time I'm thinking, I should have went up there and said, hey, would you mind just slowing down? I thought I could have handled it better. And so every time I have an interaction with someone where there is conflict, I try to review it in my head immediately afterwards and what could I have done better. That's amazing. Is that something that you've always done or something that someone coached you and taught you to do? I have a tattoo. It says Kaizen. And Kaizen means change good or continuous improvement. It's part of Six Sigma. You can look at it for life. You can look at it for business. It's one of the reasons I got it. I take that approach to everything in my life. I can always be better. Even the best people are not the best people. We can always improve on what we're doing. So I'm just trying to get that continuous improvement. I love that. And I mean, every situation is different. So what you learn in one and all of a sudden you think you can apply those same rules to another may not. Especially this. There's so many variables. So if something worked last time doesn't mean it's going to work this time. We're working on a contract. Okay, we have price. We have terms. We have a closing date. We have all these different variables that come into play. But there's other variables that people don't think about, people don't talk about. And if you talk to the other agent and you learn a pressure point, I don't mean pressure in terms of bad, but something that's important to the other side, something that is a moving item, well, maybe we can attach that. Maybe we can talk about that. Maybe they need to get in a month earlier. And it's going to be hell for my clients to get out a month earlier. But maybe if we can do that, maybe we can get five grand on the price and my clients are amenable in that situation. So I try to talk to the other agent, learn what's important. Now, some agents want to do that. Some agents don't want to do it. And that's the hard part because you never know what you're dealing with on the other side. No, it's so true. There's, uh, one of the books I, I love and always recommend, if you've, I don't know if you've already read it, but um, Never Split the Difference by Gus uh-huh. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, FBI books. negotiator. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. His, his It's harder to apply that to real estate. You think so? Yeah, I, sometimes. Because we're not really... So I hate when people say we'll meet in the middle, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but in real estate, yeah. there's only so much room. For sure. And people talk about million-dollar listing and how there's like no version of that in Chicago. Yeah, because we don't have the interesting properties and our price points aren't so high. So we don't have the opportunities to go from like $4 million to $3.5 million and have that big difference. We're working from five hundred to four eighty-five, and we're trying to make this difference in between. So the room for negotiation and most of the things we yeah. do is so thin. For sure. So it's hard to apply those things, but I do like that book. <laughs> no, I do love that book. And yeah. it's helped me out a lot. So yeah. <laughs> but, but so talk to me about the pivot, because obviously you mentioned that early in the career. I mean, the way you even kind of were thrust into uh, real estate was from the rental side of things. Mm-hmm. When did that switch to, to being you know, actually purchasing? So I got my license in 2009, and I was doing just rentals for basically two years. I did a few sales here and there, whatever I could get. But as the re- I mean, we were in the middle of the recession, as things started to turn around a little bit, those landlord clients that I had found were developers. Mm. So I saw they were doing things. I was talking to them. I was renting out the places they couldn't sell during the, during, I was about to say pandemic, yeah, dur- right. during the recession. And so when the recession happened, people were looking at land, seeing if it was the bottom, and they started buying land. And they started developing the land. When they were purchasing it, I could see them do it. And I was like, hey, give me a shot. Give me a shot. What do you have to lose? And I approached it differently. I looked at things. I brought a different level. What a lot of people tell me is I bring a different level of energy. Mm. I also bring a different level of expertise. I grew up around real estate. I know how to build a building. I understand how to explain it. I can sell from a piece of land. I can sell from a piece of paper. And I was able to develop that skill basically between 2010 to to today. But from that period, I sold a good number of uh, new construction. And that gave me a completely different perspective and a different different sales style. Because you had to meet someone, 
learn what you could about the person, understand, understand what made them tick, and then make decisions on how to approach the sale. I love it. They're, I mean, methodical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, methodical. And obviously you bring, uh, it's a blessing to be able to come with a level of expertise or to have grown up in something, right? It, it automatically is. puts you at an advantage. But one of the things I hear, and, and you know, I love the, the way that you approach uh, relationships more than anything else, is you, you find it in everything, right? So whether you're talking about developers or whether you're, you know, having to talk to someone who's Uber Eats, you know, <laughs> cruising down the street too fast or whatever. And I, and I appreciate that just because it's, you know, you didn't hit someone today, but doesn't, the risk versus reward factor, that is just, it's mind-blowing to me that someone would think that three seconds is worth possibly someone hitting someone to begin with. I haven't had a car in almost seven years now. Wow. So that has changed. I don't think like a driver anymore. Right. I think like a walker and a biker. Yeah. yeah. So I have wild ideas on vehicles in the city and lots yeah. of that. That's a whole other conversation. Same. But most people don't need a car in the city. And because they have a car, they're rushing to places. And when you don't have a car, you have to be much more planned. Yeah. So you have to look at your day. You have to understand the timing for it. You yeah. got to plan it all out differently. So true. When people have a car, they can just hop in, go from place to place. They'll sit somewhere before they go. I don't do any of that. Yeah. So looking at that, when I see someone driving that way, it really bothers me because I've had friends that have been hit by cars. I've almost been hit by cars. I bike almost every single day. You see people driving crazy. And you have to put yourself in the shoes of that driver. And that driver just is not putting himself in my bike seat or in my walking shoes. 100%. 100%. Um, you know, but but going back to the relationship <laughs> part of it, 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 I love that. I mean, I, I think it was a great example. But the relationship part of it is really what um, I appreciated how you know, your wife said, wow, you handle it a certain way, but you're like, no, I could have handled it better. And how, how has that evolved for you, whether that be, you know, that or uh, reaching out to developers, but the, the aspect of the sales part of it, to me, seems that like we talked about a little before offline was just how in real estate, unfortunately, sometimes there's that used car salesman, you know, uh, a stereotype, yeah. right? That, that sometimes is really true. And so for you, I, I just think you have this kind of direct approach what is it that I guess has evolved for you from a relationship standpoint that, that you found success in, in the way you treat people that attracts them to you as, as a realtor? I think a lot of it is the no BS approach. Mm. Uh, I don't think I'm good at sales. I think I'm good at talking with people. I'm good at reading people. I'm good at reading the room, reading the situation, but I can't bullshit someone. I just don't have it in me. And beyond that, real estate sells itself. Yeah. They see their works for you or it doesn't. My job is to explain the benefits of all these features, to demonstrate them for you, and to figure out why this might be good for your life. And sometimes you don't get into that in maybe three quarters of the way of the sales process. If someone finally says something or you notice something and you can touch on whatever item of that property is going to make sense for them and all of a sudden it's going to click for them, now they're actually interested. So I just try to listen. I try to listen clean what I can from the person in the room, their spouse, their kids, where did they come from? What are they used to? Where were they living before this? What kind of car do they drive? Where do they eat last night? All those things matter. Absolutely. I want to see the shoes. I want to see the laces. I want to see the socks. I want to see it all. It's <laughs> a great approach. I mean, and that's something that you don't see very or hear very often of people being like that just because, you know, you get stuck in your own, in your own little world that it's hard to see outside of that. And I, I keep hearing from you that uh, you're just, kind of an observer of it all, right? Uh, even yourself, as the experience kind of look from the outside looking in, how, how is that something that um, that you can take out with you, right? Because there's there's a sales piece and when it presents itself and you have someone there and great, you know, it turns on whatever. From a 
relationship building, from a business development, from a networking standpoint? You know, what have you found that works for you to attract the type of client that you actually want to work with? Put me in front of them and you'll see what happens. The no BS approach, it appeals to a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, real, realtors do not have a great reputation for the most part. Yeah. It's statistically proven, it's been, there's been studies on it. People don't trust us. They yeah. don't trust us because we're always trying to move something. Real estate sells itself, again. If someone is looking for something, if they don't like this, great, show them another place. I tell all my clients, hey, I don't care which place you pick, as long as you pick one. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. There's going to be the right place. We just have to find it. we got to figure out what's right for you. It's like a lot of realtors will say, well, money renting is always burning money. I'm renting right now. I haven't rented a place in 10 years. But during the pandemic, there's been some unbelievable deals that I want to take advantage of. And I'm renting a place I can never own. They don't, there isn't a product right, right. built like this. It's not, there's no building like this. My building has a bowling alley, a pool, a basketball court. Show me the condo building where I can buy. And I don't think I'd want to plunk down the 200K I would need as the down payment. So I'm doing this for 18 months, trying this out, doing a little arbitrage. Most agents would say, oh, you're burning money. No, I'm not. No, it costs 8% to sell a property, right? Just around, it costs 3% to buy a property. So right out the door, you need to have appreciation of 11% before you ever sell it, which means you need to be there for at least five years, which means buying doesn't always make sense for everyone. So I have to consult with people, hear them out. I've converted people from buyers to renters just because it doesn't make sense. And here's the thing, okay, they rent with me this year, they rent with me that year, then they buy a place. The largest commission I've ever gotten came off a Craigslist ad. Wow. Yeah, and he rented for years before he bought something with me. No way. Yeah, and they always come back because I'm never pushing. I mean, you can't push in this business, and the people that push, it's it's gross. It's really, It seems desperate. It's that commission breath coming off on them the whole time. It re I mean, it does, it, and it reeks. And yeah. like you said, it, I think the thing that kills me is just that we, there is a, a shortage, right, of, of housing. And we, and we know that there is. It's not just here. It's everywhere, if you will. But There's a shortage of affordable housing. Right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but with that being said, you know that everyone has has a need for a home. So the fact that you'd be pushing that, it almost seems it's silly. Know, counterintuitive right? exactly. that, that you would do that. Um, but, I, but I guess the other part of it, too, is how, how do people find you, right? Because it seems like you're at a point now where being an OBS guy, you, you don't want to work with people that you don't want to work with either, right? So how does that work out for you? How, how are you able to kind of selectively or, or manifest the type of experience you want professionally for yourself? That's the hardest part of this business. Yeah. If I could figure that out, I don't know, I probably wouldn't be in this room, right? I'd be doing something else. I'd be owning Zillow or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be the biggest agent in Chicago. I do not have those type of aspirations. Uh, I don't want to be a volume broker. I don't want to be owning a business where all I do is manage other agents. That doesn't appeal to me. Mm. So I get my business through relationships, through marketing. Uh, we do digital marketing, we do social media, we do videos. Videos have been a big one for us. Uh, ever since I started doing them during the pandemic, it's been probably the number one driver of business. And it's not so much that it brings people to me, it's that if someone else hears that someone, that a friend of their, a family member needs real estate, they can just send a video of mine. They can send my Instagram profile, they can mm. send our YouTube page, and they're like, you should check this guy out. Mm. They don't have to sell me. So I made the situation where no one ever has to sell for me. I'm already selling myself. All you need to do is plug in, watch a couple minutes of video. I think you'll be convinced I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're the numbers that, that make so much sense. Like, no one's ever put it in that way uh, that I've heard. And said, look, this is what you need to, to consider before renting or buying. Yeah. Right. From, from a mathematical standpoint and yeah. from an experience standpoint. Because how do you put a, a price on something that you're looking for that you can't find somewhere else? 
right? So, so from that perspective alone, I think it's it's just it's smart. I right? know why wouldn't you? You have all these options available to you, and here's the thing. Okay, if I rented, uh, let's say it's a five thousand dollar a month apartment. Okay, so I made twenty five hundred bucks, or I made five grand on that transaction minus fees, whatever. Well, that's not bad. Why? What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And that took like a day of my time. I'd rather do luxury rentals all day long than to have. Okay, I worked with this buyer. We went out five weekends in a row. We looked at 20-something places. We put a contract in. We do an inspection. Okay, it falls falls flat after the inspection. I have a buyer right now. We're on our third or fourth purchase. Things keep falling through. And this market's very tight, so it's harder to do. Now, on the flip side, I love working with buyers and sellers. With sellers, if I have an interesting property, I love breaking it down. I love looking at all the fine details. I love selling it to the public. I love having my little skit I do when someone walks in the room. I I get high off that. For the buyers, putting someone in a home that they truly enjoy and putting them on a path to actually earn some wealth over time and have an asset that's growing, that's a beautiful experience too because all of the you know, quote-unquote wealth that I've ever generated, most of it has come off real estate. It's made off of positive and smart real estate investments. It's getting harder, especially in markets like this. So I want to protect my clients at the same time. I want to make sure that they're buying something that works for them and works for them in the long run. Yeah, no, um, makes sense. And, and from one of the things I always hear too is that I, I never quite understood how people have their analysis of the market, right? Their market updates of what this is and what that is. And well, I think it's all great. If you're looking for a home, I mean, you're going to be in a situation whether you're a buyer or seller, you're both, right? If you're selling your home, you're going to have to buy one. And so you're going to either be you know, t- taking advantage of something or, or feel like you're being taken advantage of in a certain case, right? Yeah. But one of the things I, I truly believe needs to happen is the, the, I guess the opportunity for realtors, right? So instead of a market update, what do you think is the potential or the opportunity for realtors uh, being almost like the way I see it as community ambassadors, right? Where it's not thinking of me when you're ready to buy or sell, because at that point, it's probably too late, right? That you but that's why Zillow, Redfin, all these companies are so successful, because they get you when you're at the decision-making point. Yeah. And that's why you can do all the branding in the world, but if you're not there when I'm on the portal searching, looking, and then, okay, I want to see a place, then I'm not going to think of you. I'm just going right. to hit the button. Right. Every realtor has had a friend that's bought a place exactly the way I just described. And they got paired up with a realtor who's new in the business or works on some team and is new in the business there. And there's always someone at the top of the pyramid. Real estate is a pyramid scheme. Don't get it wrong. It absolutely is. That's why you have these teams with tons of people. It's built that way. That's one way to do the business. And then you have solo practitioners that are very good at what they do. You just have to get to them. Yeah. And no one wants to research or take the time to understand because most people don't truly understand what a realtor does. Our job used to be to send you properties, show you properties. That's not it anymore. Anyone can do that. Anyone can open that door for you. You can go on Zillow. You can go on Redfin. You can go on Compass.com. You can go on anything you want to find the property you want to find. Almost all of it is there. My job is to protect you. That's it. In a few words, that's the main job, to protect you through this entire transaction, make sure no one's taking advantage of you, making sure you're buying the right property that isn't going to hurt you. There's a lot of properties in Chicago I would never touch. There's buildings I would never touch. If you're new to this business, you'll never know it. You'll never know where those places are. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Unfortunately, as great as our city is, which I think it's the best city in the world, but you know, it still, it still uh, has its corruption. You know, And, and there's still people who are... You know, not looking out for your best interest. Yeah, and there's so. building materials you don't you want to use. There's I was in a building the other week, and they had a hundred and like over a hundred thousand dollars in reserves, but they should have had half a million dollars in reserves. 
And this woman, the agent is talking about, I have multiple offers. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't live here. I'm looking at my client. The place was perfect, except for outdoor space. It was perfect. It was big. It was spacious. It was lofty. Yeah, but something's going to happen to this old loft building and you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And I don't want to walk into that. Yeah. Why, why would I buy a problem? Exactly. No, I mean, you're right. It's so, so protecting. So on that note, what advice would you give to those listening that are going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into the real estate market. I'm looking, I'm, I know I'm going to start looking or whatever that looks like for them. What advice would you give as far as selecting the right realtor? Like what that's right for them. Interview a few agents, understand how they work. Most people have someone working for them. For instance, I have a full-time assistant. He's doing everything in the background. The only reason I can be here right now is because he's back there making sure things are running smoothly. I tend to prefer that type of arrangement. I also have a few team members. They're doing their own business, and one of them is handling all of our rentals. Oh, wow. So I don't want to touch that anymore. I have things that are a better use of my time. And in the process, I get to train someone, teach someone this business, and she gets to make good income in the process. That's awesome. Well, so in terms of who you're looking for, you got to find someone you jive with and you trust. That's really what it boils down to because if you don't trust them, you're not going to want to work with them. And if you don't get along, if you don't have a shorthand or if you don't laugh at the same jokes, that's, I meant to make that as a joke, but it it's real. It's not going to work. You know, you have to really get along with them. And you have some people that just go because it's a pretty agent. Like that. that's true too, right? They're looking for to something totally different. You hear some very strange stories in this industry. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen. You know, and, and I think it's so important. And I think also to if, if you're in that situation, that it's okay to walk away from a realtor that you're not driving with. Yeah. Even some statistics I read was that, that what is like 90% or more of people go with the first realtor they meet with. That's right. And it's crazy. And the average person knows nine realtors. Right. Let's think about that, too. Like, every one of my friends has a choice of realtors to choose. And by doing the things I've done, I've made that choice easier for them. Yep. And that's that's really the goal. And yep. so if, if you're looking at me and you're looking at another mm -hmm. agent side by side, my goal is that there are more things to look at for me. There's more ways to show you that I'm good at what I do other than someone just talking about how much they sold last month. Exactly. Well, I can't stand that. So, but you know that already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but on that note, you know, I, I appreciate you coming in. And if you're listening, I would highly encourage you to reach out to John. He's a wealth of information, but also just a great guy. Nice guy to, to, to work with and talk to. So there's a form below that you can do that directly. But John, thank you for coming in, sharing your story and your expertise. Thanks for having me.